Amen, amen. What a great church you are. Thank your main standing. Appreciate Brother Lawami Diaz and uh, his two fine sons here today. I don't know what they ate or what they drank since the last time they were here. It's like Popeye spinach or something that just calls them to just bang, sprout up. Caleb and Micah, we're honored they're here. We're honored he is here. This man is a preacher. We love him. This pulpit is always open to he and his ministry. Amen. I know he's got something to say. I already know what he's going to say. We do, don't we? Sister Kendra, we know what he's going to say because he's going to preach the same thing. And we might just throw chairs around here. Get a Bob Knight spirit. Somebody throw a chair in this place. Hey, we're on the precipice of the rapture. We might as well just tear the church up before the Lord comes back. We might as well do something around here. Appreciate Brother Diaz. He's coming. Give him a good hand clap as he comes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon and uh, to worship with you. And uh, the crowd is a little light, but that's all right. We, we are having church here this afternoon. The Holy Ghost is here. Amen. So good to be in uh, Muncie once again. I was telling the uh, earlier church that uh, down in Fishers that last night, you know, in Houston, we don't have this uh, great delicacy of the Midwest called White Castles. And so... Um, so I thought it would be a good idea. I grew up on White Castle in New York, and so I thought it would be a good idea. I hadn't had it in, in years. I thought it would be a good idea to have a little of that last night at about midnight. <clears throat> Not only did I eat my four sliders, I also had my son's four sliders. He was, uh, he's full of wisdom, amen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, if I didn't have coronavirus before, <laughs> amen, amen. Y'all going to have to pray for me now. The book of Psalms, Psalm 150, I'm going to be reading verse 1 through verse 6. Psalm 150, verse 1 through verse 6. And the Bible reads this so in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Why don't we do a little bit of that here this afternoon and praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Hallelujah. For your excellent greatness, O oh God. For your mighty acts. Oh, you've been good to us. Hallelujah, you've been so good and so kind, amen. I want to speak to you here the next several minutes on this subject. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise 
God in his sanctuary. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Father, we come before you and we ask you to be a blessing unto us as we hear your word and we not only hear it, but we put it into practice. Help us, O oh Lord, understand the importance of the Lord's day and coming to the sanctuary to bless you as a people. And we will be forever thankful for the way that you guide and that you protect and that you honor us as we honor you in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in this house. <clears throat> I like the book of Psalms because it is divided in five parts. And it's a, a very coordinated uh, uh, book, actually, if you actually look into it. It's like a well-coordinated symphony. Each psalm was placed in its proper order leading up to the very last few psalms, which are called the Hallelujah Psalms, Hallelujah Psalms. But in a mighty crescendo, we finally land in the exhilarating climax of it all, and that is Psalm 150. How intriguing that the psalm that was chosen to end the whole book, the psalm that gives us the where, the why, and the how of praise, of all the ways that it could have begun after it admonishes us to praise the Lord. It begins the list with praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his sanctuary. What is a sanctuary? A sanctuary is made up of two Hebrew words, Kadesh and Mikdash. Kadesh means holy and Mikdash means temple or a sacred place. So sanctuary refers to the place or temple consecrated to the worship of God where God is believed to meet his people. It was a temple that was separated. That's what holy means, Kadesh. It was separated unto the worship of God where God is believed to meet his people. In the Old Testament, the sanctuary was used both in reference to the temple and the tabernacle. It was used of the place where the people gathered together to meet God corporately. And I understand that especially in the New Testament, the worship of God can take place literally anywhere that God is. Jesus take, talking to the woman at the well said, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, worship will no longer be restricted to a physical location especially not the physical location where religious procedures were observed and conducted in a works-based system. Those physical temples would no longer be where God would meet his people. That is one thing I love about New Testament worship. You don't have to be confined to the four walls of your building to worship the Lord. Amen. I mean... If you really look at it, the psalmist even says, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let them sing aloud on their beds. You know that even in your bed, you can sing aloud unto the Lord 
and offer up a shout of praise even on your bed. And in the New Testament, worship is no longer restricted to a physical temple because our bodies are now the temples of the Lord. We are to offer it unto God as our spiritual worship, reasonable service, the KJV says. It is our spiritual worship. In other words, wherever our temple is, there should our worship also be. Amen. No wonder Paul said, I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And he knew a little something about lifting up his hands everywhere because he and Silas prayed and sang in a prison at midnight, the Bible said. Listen, if you can pray in prison, you can pray and dance and sing just about anywhere. Amen. You can do it on Sunday morning, but you don't have to wait until Sunday morning. How many of you know that you can worship in your car? Some of the best worship services I've ever had have been in my car. How many of you know that you can worship in your job, at your home? I am a professional shower worshiper. That's when I have my praise breaks uh, during my shower time. Uh, you know, even at Walmart, I know there's, there's some crazy folk with no teeth and their pajamas going on about midnight at Walmart, but you can... Go ahead and, and throw your hands up and say hallelujah. Anyhow, amen. You can go ahead and say how great is our God even at school. Amen. I know they took prayer out of school, but honey, they can't take praise out of it because I'm telling you, I've got a grateful heart. I've got a soul that magnifies the Lord even at your school. However, I also think that one of the things the enemy of your soul is trying to take away from our culture in these last days is the praise duly given to God in his sanctuary. In his sanctuary. I get that we can pray anywhere. I get that. But, God, but the devil knows how important it is for you to get here. So hell will do anything in its power to keep you from getting to the house of God. Amen. I know that we can praise and worship just about anywhere, but the crowning jewel of worship is when we get together as a congregation to lift up our voices together together amen when we hear him speak to us corporately nothing can beat that nothing can substitute corporate worship you should make it a yearly resolution every single year with your family that one of our values in our value system is going to be we're not going to miss the Sunday service we're going to make it a point that we're going to make every single service this year amen that is a value you ought to have and the writer of Hebrews commands us to not neglect the assembling of ourselves together as such is the manner of some. There is power when we come together in the sanctuary to meet God here. There is power when you come beside me and begin to praise God. Amen. You see, it is a very limited view of God when I have to praise God by myself. You know why? 
because I may not know him as a healer. I've never been to the hospital before. I've never been ill before. So I know about him as a healer from scripture, but I don't know about him as a healer from personal experience. So I need you to come beside me. You that God has healed from cancer. You that God has delivered from an illness to let me know, oh, I want to worship God today because he's a healer. When I hear you, then I testify within my own spirit, oh, God is a healer, not by way of personal experience, but because in corporate worship, somebody next to me is worshiping him for his kindness as a healer to him. That ought to get you to praise the Lord in his sanctuary. According to a 2017 Gallup poll, about 70% of Americans claim to be some sort of Christian. And yet in 2008, only 22% of Americans attend church every Sunday. That is a big drop off from 70% that claim to be Christians. Only 22% of Americans attend church every Sunday. Uh, Listen, that goes to show you how little people think of church attendance. How little people think of the Lord's Day and public worship. And I don't know about you, but that is a spirit that we are battling in this generation. Oh, we know the Lord. We serve him in our own way, in our own home. I've got a relationship with the Lord. He is my personal savior. I don't feel like I need to go to any particular church in order to do that. And listen, that's that's what's going on in our generation. There is a lot of, of, of misconception about what it means to come to corporate worship and belong to a local assembly. Getting together on the Lord's Day is not something we made up to take people's money. It's not something we made up to brainwash people into following a celebrity pastor. Getting together in corporate worship is not something that the church made up just so that we can say, oh, look at our numbers. Look how many people we've got coming to our place and our bit. Let's get it right. The Bible is clear that there is an importance on getting together. And it has been a great tradition of the church all throughout its history to get together on the Lord's Day. Amen. I've been privileged enough to uh, go travel some around the world. I've been to China and they get together on the Lord's Day there. I've been to Australia. Uh, likewise, they get they already had their service because Sunday to them was our Saturday, but they, they had their service on the Lord's Day. In the Philippines, New Zealand, Fiji, all over South America, Central America, the Caribbean and Europe, even in Morocco where I was just last Last year, even there, that is a 98% and something and some change Muslim country. And yet there are some Christians that still get together on the Lord's Day to worship the name. of the, There's a little remnant that comes together and they bless the name of the Lord on the Lord's Day. This is history. The church has met on the first day of the week for 2,000 years. And the church can't stop 2,000 
thousand years later from getting together on Sundays. Can I tell you, don't you make this a trivial thing. Don't you make this, oh, church attendance, that's not optional. That's just, that's not, you know, you know, when I get around to it, if I feel okay, that's not the way it works. The Bible is clear and history is clear. The people of God come together on Sundays in order to celebrate the Lord. They come together to celebrate the Lord. As America has gotten further and further away from its Christian values, we no longer see the importance of getting together on the Lord's Day. I remember that growing up, uh, I didn't have a choice. I was a pastor's kid, and as some of you pastor's kids will attest to, uh, I didn't have a choice. Our, our gathering together was not just on Sundays. It was also on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. And I'm not lying to you. I, we had Monday prayer meeting. We had uh, Tuesday nights. That it's where we gathered for a uh, little fellowship and stuff. Wednesday nights is where we had Bible stuff and so forth. And I can go, you know, discipleship classes. You had Thursday discipleship classes. We had youth service on Friday night. And then Saturday you had district activities. And if there was no activities, you still had to go to church and clean it up. So there was, you know, you, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, we had absolutely no, I know kids nowadays had options. We had no option, no option. When I was a kid, I remember I decided that I was going to backslide one time, and it was a Wednesday, Wednesday. And I remember that I decided that, uh, you know, I never backslid before or anything, and I, I was about 15, maybe 15, 16. So I decided, you know, I'm tired of my parents always forcing me to do stuff. So I made up my mind that I was not going to go that, to church that day. So I purposely got home late, which is something that never happened. I, 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 I got home late that Wednesday so as to, I knew that they would go and leave without me, so I got home late that Wednesday and I remember, uh, listen, we didn't grow up with a TV, so what I did was, I went by the radio and I turned it on to my Mets game and I ate the food that was left over and I had about five glasses of soda, they didn't allow me to have more than one, but I had about five, because I was backsliding, so I had about five glasses of Coke on that day and I was having the grandest times and I, I'll never forget that I was feeling really you know courageous until about 9.30 started coming around and then my stomach started getting a little queasy because I said Lord what have I done I have signed my own death warrant here today and I remember because when that door began you know they started unlocking that door the first two to come in were my two sisters the the two terrorists, they, they came in. They came in, and I'll never forget, I was in my room all the way in the back, and uh, my two terrorist sisters, they looked over to see if I was in there, and when they saw that I was in there, they both smiled. They had this smile like, ooh, this is about to be fun right now, and I'll never forget my dad, who never laid a hand on me, uh, he went over to his normal couch, and he was out in the living room, and he was on the couch. It was my my mom. My mom was a mixture of Freddy Krueger and 
And, and right, listen, my mom was, listen, I don't know, uh, some of you older folks would probably know this video game called Street Fighter. It, it, the younger folk don't know about this, you know, but, the, but some of us older folk, we know this. there was this game called Street Fighter. There was a character in that game called Blanca, and Blanca went... <laughs> That was my mom. My mom was Blanca and Freddy Krueger mixed together. And I'll never forget on that specific day, my mom, I said, oh, Lord, what's about to happen? She went into the kitchen. And as she went into, I could just hear her because I didn't know what was about to happen. She went into the kitchen and all I could hear was stuff being moved around. And I said, oh, God, what's it going to be with today? A machete. I could almost picture me 30 years later telling my sons, you see this mutilated arm? It wasn't Vietnam. It's I missed service on a Wednesday night. Listen, I went over. I'll never forget. My mother came out of that kitchen, and I could hear her coming, and she was stopped. And I said, Lord, what's about to happen to me? And when she got into my room, on one hand, she had a little towel. On the other hand, she had a big old bottle of olive oil. And she grabbed that olive oil, and she began to spill it over me, and she began to, she began to hit me with that thing and she said God I dedicated this child unto the Lord I'm not going to let him backslide I'm not going to see him go away he's got to learn the importance of going to service she said in the name of Jesus I rebuke every devil out of this room I rebuke she started looking all over my stuff she said in the name of Jesus you're not going to backslide you're not going to go away you're going to love the house of God you're going to love coming to church and from that day forward I'm telling you right now I haven't missed a beat the Lord's day is still my love it is still what I'm in love with coming to the house of God greeting the Lord with my spirit and my former and my for and my and my people this is what God wants got to get that inside of you get it inside of you this whole lord's day thing isn't something we made up up until the point of the new testament sunday had absolutely no religious or social importance in the jewish calendar hardly anyone in history spoke with about sunday with any particularity you can look back in the bible in the old testament you really won't find much about sunday at all you can look back in history at all the books. No one really speaks about Sunday with any particularity. It was like every other day. So what happened in the New Testament to make Christians begin to memorialize this particular day, the Lord's Day? I'll tell you what happened. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 7, the Bible says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and all and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone 
from the door and sat on it. You go down to verse 5, but the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen as he said and come see the place where the Lord lay. I'm telling you what happens on the Lord's day. Why? We turn this day to be the Lord's day and not Saturday. You know why? Because this is the day early Sunday morning when the Lord grabbed the keys from hell and the grave and said I've got all power in my hands and he is risen and now he is Lord. As a matter of fact it's the very confession you've got to make in order to ingress into the Christian faith. You must you must confess with your mouth, mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and watch this you must believe in your heart that God raised them up from the dead. That's what we celebrate when we come together. We don't have to wait till Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. We don't wait until that day. Oh no, we've been celebrating all along. Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave. And here we are now. We are celebrating that we've got resurrection power with Jesus Christ. That's what happened on that first day. And then the angel told them, go quickly, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Why did the angel tell her, go quickly? I'm going to tell you why. Because there was an urgency to go tell the disciples because a lot was going to happen on that day. All of a sudden, a lot of attention is happening on the first day of the week, that day, that very first day in verse 9. And as they went to tell uh, very, very, same chapter in verse 9 and as they went to tell his disciples behold Jesus met them saying rejoice so they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him that was the first worship service that happened after the resurrection on the Lord's day and then disciples on the road to Emmaus that, that's what happened now behold two of them were traveling that same day when the Lord's day the first day of the week in Luke 24 that what happened with the disciples into Emmaus Oh, he began to preach to them. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all that was in the scriptures, the things concerning himself. When did that happen? On the Lord's day. Guess what else happened on the Lord's day? The Bible said in Luke 24 and 30 and uh, 31, I believe of 29 through 31, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is now evening and the day is far spent and he went in to stay with him now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them he took bread he blessed it and he broke it so here we have uh, the Lord's Supper when on the Lord's day and then you've got the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit pre-Pentecost it happened on the Lord's day in John 20 19 through 23 the Bible says in verse 19 then the same day 
day, which day? The same day at evening being the first day of the week. The first day of the week. It was on the Lord's day. And then the Bible said he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy. When did that happen? On the Lord's day. Amen. All the disciples knew about the resurrection. You know, except for somebody, his name was Thomas. And that's why it's important that you don't miss a Sunday service. Because Thomas missed a Sunday service. Amen. You've got to come to service. You know why? Because there's some things that happen on any given Sunday service. This might have been your day. This might have been your day for a miracle. This might have been a word that was spoken specifically to your situation. You don't miss a Sunday. You know why? Because sometimes the sermon doesn't apply to you. And you say, well, that was for somebody else. But make sure you download it into your mainframe. You know why? Because five years down the line, five years down the line, you're going to find yourself in a valley. And you're going to say, hey, hold up. Hey, Pastor Martin preached on something about five years ago. I remember I wasn't going through that. But I need that word right now. Let me go back into the archives. Let me go back into the app and see where he preached. You don't want to miss a Sunday. Thomas. Thomas missed service that day. And the Lord could have easily showed up to him the next Monday and had a little meeting at Starbucks and said, hey, Thomas, here I am. I'm here. I am he. You, you doubting Thomas? Because Thomas said, there is no way. Thomas, Thomas didn't make it to service. He said, there is no way you guys saw the risen Christ. Uh -uh, I refuse to believe it. And he said, yes, yes, we did. The Lord could have appeared to him on a Tuesday night fellowship meeting at the, at the town center or somewhere and said hey hey come come here Thomas let me show you it is I the Lord could have shown up, up to him at a small group service in and maybe on a Wednesday and those are not these are all good to have these are all vital to the church but they are not the crowning jewel of the Pentecostal church apostolic church and I'm gonna tell you I tell you when did the Lord meet up with Thomas well the Bible tells you in verse 26 John 20 in verse 26 and after eight days and after eight days now this is a a, a tradition among people even to this day today they say eight, they say eight days later and what they mean is a week later in America we say seven days but out internationally they still say eight days and, and that means a week well that's how the Jews also quantified it they said eight days but they mean a week and I'm telling you the Lord waited until the next Sunday to appear unto Thomas and he said hey Thomas his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them Jesus came the doors being shut he stood in their midst and said peace to you then he said to Thomas reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side do not be unbelieving but believing and Thomas answered and said to him my Lord and my God I'm 
telling you, revelation happened on that first day of the week. Revelation happened. You want something else? I'm going to give you something else. When do you feel like the Holy Spirit fell upon the church and the birth of the church was? It was on the day of Pentecost. Pente, meaning 50. That's where you get Pentagon, meaning five. Listen, why the day of Pentecost? Why not on any other day? I'm going to tell you why. Because 50, 50 days from what? It was 50 days from the Passover. That is 50 days from the Passover. The Passover was on a Saturday. Do you know what that means? Seven days, seven weeks had passed, which would give you 49. And on that next day, it was the day of Pentecost. I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord decided, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon these 120. They were there for 10 days. And the Lord said, uh-uh, I'm still going to wait. I'm going to wait until that first day of the week and pour out of my spirit upon the 120 that are there. I'm telling you, there's a power when you come together on the Lord's day. Now, you see it all throughout history, not just throughout history. Acts 20, now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. At 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside. So there's, there's particularity now. There's a tension being brought. The Lord is starting to meet people on the Lord's day. And the disciples are getting together on the Lord's day. Something is happening on the Lord's day. And then this is where you get that nickname, Lord's day. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Revelation 1 and 10. Someday received its own name to distinguish it from the pagans who called the day Sunday or the day to worship the sun. Obviously they didn't call it Sunday but the equivalent of it in, in, uh, in their language they, they said it is the day to worship the sun. Sunday. And so they said uh uh this ain't going to be Sunday. This is going to be the Lord's day. This is going to be the day where we come not to worship the sun but to worship the Lord. Amen. And many of the early fathers of the first and second and third centuries called it the Lord's Day. Even Ignatius and Justin Martyr and Clement of Alexandria and Tertullian they all called it the Lord's Day. I'm telling you, you've got to get it down in your soul that this first day of the week for years, for decades, for centuries has been named the Lord's Day by those who claim the Lord to be their fortress and you've got to make it up in your mind as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord on the Lord's day we're going to come to give him everything we've got we're going to come to be edified we're going to come to give we're going to come to to uh, stimulate one another unto love and good works the Lord's day and I end with this what do we do when we come together on the Lord's day. Well, I'm glad you asked because that's exactly what Psalm 150 tells us we ought to do. It tells us praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his sanctuary. What a great culmination to the book of Psalms. 
The Psalms start out with pain and lament and suffering, but as they progress on and on and on, they give way to rejoicing and thanksgiving and then praise. Hallelujah, Psalms. Psalms 150 is a great culmination to the whole book, the climax, if you will, the peak of it all. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in the sanctuary. Now you might say, well, what, what, what exactly do I praise him for? I'm going to tell you what you praise him for. It's what the psalmist said, praise him for his mighty acts. You praise him for his mighty acts. <clears throat> In scripture, you always praise him for something he had done. You know, we always say, and it preaches a lot, and it, it drives people, you know, nuts when, when you say it. But I don't know if we have any scripture for it when we say praise God so that he could bring you out. Praise God. So listen, listen, I, I don't know if scripture will support that theory. That's not why you praise him. You praise him for what he has done. Not for what he's going to do, but for what he has already done. Don't discount that because if you don't praise him, because listen, listen, you need to praise him for what he has done because if he doesn't do one more thing for you, he's already done enough for you to praise him for the next 10,000 years. You don't, you, don't, you don't always look forward in order to praise him. You've got to look back. You've got a whole lot of stuff you need to praise God for. You've got to, before you even look forward, you need to look back. There's some, there, there, there's some praise that you haven't given God for everything that he has given you. But if you need a little help, just go down to Psalms 146, 5 through 9, and that's a great list of things you can praise the Lord for. It starts out by saying happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God and then here is his mighty acts watch this who made heaven and earth who made the sea and all that is in them who keeps truth forever that's what you praise him for who executes justice for the oppressor that's what you praise him for who gives food to the hungry the Lord gives freedom to the prisoners the Lord opens the eyes of the blind the Lord raises those who are bound down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. The Lord, he relieves the fatherless and widows. But the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. That's what you worship him for. He, hallelujah, you've got to go back. Go back. If you don't know what to worship him for, go back and say, he has created this universe. He sustains this universe. He's the one that delivers us from death and sin and hell hell. He is the one who is our savior. He saved us and redeemed us. He is the one who continues to protect us. He keeps his covenant with us. He gives us continuing life. All that he has done. But you don't even have to go back into the word. Just look back at your own life. And when you look back at your own life listen, nobody will understand your praise until they understand your past. And so you've got to go back into your own life and say, man, I was a whoremonger. I was an abuser. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. But look what the Lord hath done. If it had not been but for the 
Lord who was on my side. Look what the Lord hath done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise his name. Oh, look what the Lord has done. Has he done anything for you here in this house? Hallelujah. Has he saved you? Has he delivered you? Has he raised you up? Has he healed you? Somebody ought to testify. Testify with your praise. God has done it all for me. Look what the Lord has done. And then I'm done with this. If by chance somebody says, well, you know, I know he's done a bunch of stuff, but I mean, I, I still don't don't find that enough to I don't, I don't find enough there to praise him. Well, well, guess what? That's impossible for you to say. But just in case there's somebody that does that, well, here it goes. You don't just praise him for his mighty acts. You also praise him for his excellent greatness. You know what that means? You don't just praise him for what he has done. You praise him for who he is. <laughs> don't just praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. He is. Amen. Listen, the Old Testament is a history of what God has done and who he is. We praise him for his mighty acts, but we also praise him for his excellent greatness. How do we praise the Lord? We praise him because he is just. We praise him because he is kind. We praise him because he's merciful. We praise him because he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's wise. He is loving. He is love. He is patient. He is just. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's Jehovah Jireh. He is my pariah. He's Jehovah Kisi. He is my banner. He is everything you ever want from God. He is everything you ever wanted from a God. He is that's what you praise him for. Now, listen. I'm just going to ask you in this house. Would you do me a favor? I know there's protocol and I know this is a special day of some sort. But would you do me a favor for the next 60 seconds and tell somebody, I don't want you to get away from me because of the coronavirus situation. I want you to get away from me because I need a little room in order to express my praise here today. The preacher just told me, this is what we come to the house of God to do. So excuse me just a little bit. Just give me a little room uh, that I may lift my hands. Uh, that I may open up my mouth. Uh, that I may set my feet uh, to dance. Uh, because when I praise, uh, when I think uh, of the goodness of I, Jesus. I got to pray. 